Level Up Nation, and we're going to have to do this all over again because for whatever reason, OBS is not capturing sound. There we go. What is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the November 16th edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming esports news brought to you by OTN Media. Good thing I have this memorized as I stall for time to reset all the audio here on OBS, and we should be good to go from there. So my name is Fiasco. You can also call me John. And now with audio fix, you're going to be able to hear when I introduce my co-host, the hostess with the mostest, if you will, the king of the courtside, the courtside king, Joey. What's popping, buddy? Man, it is quite a time for games. God of War released last week. We have Pokemon releasing this week. Quite a few other things like the Callisto Protocol coming a few weeks later in December. On top of that, Thanksgiving, Christmas time, all the holiday action. A lot of good things to look forward to upcoming. Yeah, and I'm also looking forward to the next OBS update that happens three times every week because, God forbid, we have one version that lasts longer than three days where my audio <laughs> settings don't get messed up. Nation, you know what's not messed up? Well, it is messed up if you're not doing it, but you should be following the show. You're already here listening. You're already here watching if you're live on Twitch, so make sure you follow the show on social media as well. That's on Twitter and Facebook at Level Up Live. That is at LVLUP Live. And while you're on Twitter... You're already listening to listening to us rabble on for about 60 to 90 minutes an episode. You might as well be following us for our spicy hot gaming takes and other takes as well on Twitter. Follow Joey at Courtside King, myself at Fiasco. If you're here live on Twitch, those are those names beneath the mugshots you're currently staring at. Podcast listeners, check out the show notes for the handles down there as well. And Nation, while the live show on Twitch is the place to be, we do offer the show and podcast version. Check out the Level Up podcast available on your podcatcher of choice today. Actually, it'll be tomorrow, but it's fine. We'll, it'll be, at least the latest episode will be there. Extra credit. You all have it. I know you do. You have an Amazon Prime account, which means you have a Twitch Prime special Twitch drop Prime Pass sub to spend because they change the name of that also every three days. Uh, use it on OTN. Earn our eternal love by using your Amazon Twitch Prime sub package on OTN today. All right, Joey. Uh, it's, a, it's a little chaotic today. What are we talking about on today's show? Absolutely, sir. We have the Game Awards nomination, so we'll briefly work through some of those. Not really going over every category as there's like 30, 40 categories. But looking at some of the bigger ones like Game of the Year, uh, giving our initial thoughts. And then I think we'll probably do a ballot show after Thanksgiving as we get a little bit closer to the show itself. We have some new patents coming out from Sony uh, involving some NFT actions. So we're going to break down what that could look like for PlayStation gamers. On top of that, a PS Plus sale upcoming. We're talking Dragonflight tonight, John. That new cinematic dropping recently as well as the new update. Civ 6 has given us a leader pass. And I think it's like uh, it's quite a few 12 new leaders, I think, in total. Uh, coming out as different customization options to play your Civ experience. We have Ubisoft and Riot teaming up to kind of break down toxicity in online games, which is a little ironic given some of the uh, situations going on in those two offices as well that they've been critiqued on and much, much more. All right. It's a, it's a, it's a lot for this Wednesday, sir. It is, it is a lot to cover for this Wednesday. But have no fear, we are here to break it all down here for our viewers and listeners today. Joey, before we can even dive headfirst into our topics, we have to touch on our drink of choice. Joey, I'm going to need you to carry the show today. Uh, what are you having for your beverage, sir? John, I have a sore hand, uh, so we are still working our way through this experience. I thought it was done, guys. Uh, I have learned a valuable lesson. If you have a hand injury and it feels pretty good, don't rush it back. Uh, I played quite a bit of Call of Duty, won a few Fortnite crowns, some little winner winner chicken dinner action, uh, played some Halo, and I think I ended up doing it a little overboard, uh, as well as answering some emails. You know, those pesky little emails can really uh, drag you down as well. You I mean, honestly, so it was anything that really where I'd hit the shift or the control key with my left pinky, and I think I just kind of overdid it a little bit and... Now we're back to the old injured hand and a nice jug of water. I need you to bring me in a doctor's note next time, Joey. I'm not, I'm, I'm just not buying it. I'm not buying it. I, I, I feel like it's a prop. I, I feel like you're doing this for sympathy points, which it might work for our <laughs> listeners. And if it is working, make sure you use that sympathy in the forum of a Twitch Prime sub on OTN Media. Uh, Joey, I, I kid you not, uh, 25 minutes ago, I was at the gym. Uh, so I literally just got back, cleaned myself up, plop myself in front of a, a camera and hit go live 
Uh, so I literally have nothing. I, I mean, I okay, I take that back. I have a bottle of liquor next to me that is not open. I'm actually saving this. Hold on. Oh. I'm actually saving this. So um, for those who live in the Virginia area, um, our, our friendly Commonwealth government likes to regulate our alcohol uh, because, you know, hooray. Um, but that also means we get free samples from time to time. So uh, this uh, distillery actually located out in the... Is it the Blue Ridge Mountains that are out west? I think it is. Uh, Shenandoah? Shenandoah. That works, too. Uh, there's a distillery out there called the Filibuster Distillery. Uh, so this is a straight bourbon whiskey that is uh, aged in dual-cast French oak barrels mm. um, for four years. Uh, I, I tasted a sample of it. It is probably some of the best bourbon whiskey I've ever had. So I picked a bottle Ooh. up. Um, I will be cracking it open. Not tonight. Not tonight. Uh, so, yeah. We're going to do that. So Joey's carrying us with water because I literally have nothing. Uh, so stay hydrated, fam. Stay hydrated. Parched, we call it. And, and, you weren't, and you won't hurt your wrist like uh, Joey did as long as you drink your water. <laughs> it's facts. It's facts. All right, Nation. Joey has his water. I will be dehydrated for this episode. So let's go ahead and get into our first topic of gaming and esports news. And, of course, this segment presented by Gamer Bites. Bite-sized game and esports news delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today as those newsletters do go out on Monday mornings. If you're here live with us on Twitch, check out the chat. The link is there for you below. And if you're listening on our podcatch, podcast version on your podcatcher of choice, uh, that link will be in the show notes for you also. Joey, let's get into let's get into gaming and esports news. Absolutely, guys. So as you all know, there are many gaming award shows. There's really no true one that everyone follows. Developers look toward Bamfa. Fans nowadays, it feels like the Game Awards has kind of become the go-to. Happens in early December, typically the second week. Jeff Keighley's done a really good job growing the viewership over the years. And on top of that viewership, he's also growing the categories. We're now up to plus 30. I think it's 31 in total on this year's ballot. Plus, on top of that, there will be a Player's Choice Award later down the line. That should be at least one more vote, if not multiple. So overall, we are looking at quite the ballot of nominees here, John. Uh, again, so many categories. Game of the Year to Game... Um, I mean, you have Best Game Direction, Best Narrative. You have Music and Score, Audio Design, Performance. Then there's some other ones talk about like accessibility and impact overall. The Best Indie Title, Best Mobile Game Title best vr then you jump into all the different categories as well from racing to strategy to action adventure and so on and so forth then he does a little spin into esports and content creation uh, a lot of critique for the content creation section is there um some might not label some of the people in there as content creators i think it can be argued either way depending how you look at it uh, as well as the esports side as someone who probably follows esports a little bit more than Jeff Keighley, I'm not going to say they're bad choices, but it does feel like he's missing some big organizations, big teams, big players in some of these categories as well. Uh, what are your initial thoughts, John, on the overall categories and these different takes on these categories from fans? Yeah, I, I think it, you know if you were with us last year during this time, we were we were pretty critical about the esports and the content creator categories as well. Um, fun fact: the content creators are not well known. Um, I mean, yes, they, they do have a following. Uh, they have a decent following. But when you think of content creators, you're not thinking of, uh, you know, your variety streamer uh, that pulls in two, three thousand viewers a stream. You're probably thinking of um, like like uh, Pokemon or you're thinking of uh, like Asmongold. If you follow Warcraft or MMOs when he plays that, you know, people that bring in, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 70,000 viewers every time they log on. Uh, but, you know, even then, it's like, you know, I feel like it's not well-defined. Uh, and, and that's a problem with, with a lot of these categories is, uh, you know, best esports athlete. Um, in, in, in what sense? Like, can we really compare a, you know, the world's best Rocket League athlete to the world's best League of Legends athlete. They're, they're two very different games that have two very different skill sets, but yet you're going to put them in the same kind of category. So are we going based upon popularity? Are we going based upon social media interaction? Uh, what is the actual standard? Who is coming up with these nominations? Uh, same thing with best esports. Are we talking about who had the most successful year? Uh, what organization had the most championship appearances? Uh, was competitive the most? had the biggest social outreach, 
what are the standards? And, and I feel like as soon as you start breaking it down, it's like, I mean, you're like best family, best esports coach. Uh, again, how are we going to grade that? Uh, best esports event. Okay, that we can kind of grade. How many viewers did they have? What, what was the interaction like? Was it positive on social media? Um, you know, but I don't know. It, it just feels like some of these are too generic without much structure to really have people take it seriously. That's why most of these that you see on the bottom two rows are going to be like quick announcements in between world premieres and the larger announcements on stage. Uh, they'll be rolling real quick. They'll be like, oh, wasn't that award great? Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you hearing that for you. Okay, before we go into our next world premiere, we're going to talk about, we're going to give the award for the best esports game. Congratulations to, for the millionth year in a row, Riot Games for League of Legends. And they're going to move on to the next thing. It's going to be super quick. Um, and I feel like that kind of really misses the point as well. But anywho, that's my issue. It's not structured. It's too vague. Who's the one that picks it? What's the criteria? Release that information, and then maybe people might take that a little bit more seriously. Well, and I think you hit on a big point, right? Like Riot Games and League of Legends. How does that not win best esport game every year? It always has yeah. the most viewership, always brings in the most revenue, always has the biggest sponsors, always has the biggest last final. Like, you can argue Dota 2 has a bigger prize pool, but that's about the only thing Riot Games loses in when it comes to overall esports with League of Legends. So I feel like maybe the way to approach it is, like, best new. Best new esports title. Best new game. Best new uh, content creator. Like, something like that. Something that brings it up for someone within that year and kind of takes out all these mainstays, like your League of Legends, like your CSGOs that are constantly going to win overall. Now, for esport athlete, I think you can still include those ongoing titles, right? Like, there's plenty of diversity there. Rosters are constantly changing. But when it comes to the actual best esport game, best content creator, it's tough because you have so many that are here for so long that constantly get renominated and win multiple years in a row. Okay, so with that being said, we have talked about the 30-plus categories going on here. I think one of the biggest ones and one of the ones that always draws the most attention is obviously Game of the Year. Uh, this is your big dollar category that most Game Award shows are kind of built around. This one in particular gives six nominees, and they are some good ones, John. I predicted five of the six. Actually, I predicted four of the six. I thought a Plague Tale Requiem was going to get snubbed. I'm glad to see that it did make the final six here. So we do have a Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Of these six, I agree with five of them. I think I would replace Stray with Neon White. John shaking his head. A lot of the internet does agree with me. Um, we'll see how the voting ends up playing out, though. Uh, I think Stray was great. I just think it was a little bit short, and it didn't have quite as much depth as I'd like to see, and you did have a lot of that with Neon White, which was one of the highest-rated games of the year. Uh, it is an indie. Both of these games kind of in that indie genre realm, but uh, Stray did get the edge, at least so far, from the critics, so they have something to say there, but yeah, I would have replaced that one with Neon White. Stray probably would have been my uh, sixth or seventh out. There's a couple others that I would have up there in contention as well. What are your thoughts on the six, John? Um, so just real quick, uh, Joey, for, for someone who uses a bunch of cat gifts in the Discord server, uh, for someone who has a hashtag morning <laughs> meow every day and a midday meow, uh, for someone who uses cat emojis 24-7, your hatred for the best cat game to ever surface anywhere in this world, in this existence, in Stray is absolutely appalling you should be ashamed of yourself joey and i i forbid you to use any more cat memes gifts morning midday evening meows you are hereby banned from the cool cat club uh your your hatred for stray is just unacceptable i think if anything you've given me more <laughs> ground to stand on right like because no. i know cats so well uh, I have a little bit more critique in that area. I mean, overall, like, Stray is not bad. Would I buy Stray? 100%. Would I go play Stray again? 100%. Uh, I think it really just comes down to, um, I don't want to say it's not unique because it is unique, but I think Neon White was one of those games that offered a little bit more in the genre and is a little bit different overall um, compared to stuff we've had in the gaming space. So, again, Stray is up there for me. It's a top 10 for sure. But it's just not a top six for me personally. Then again, I think this could be fine with just a top five, even just cutting a game as well. Okay, so let's talk about these. A Plague Tale Requiem, I have not finished. I don't think you finished it either. 
I love the first one. I'm sure the second one is going to be phenomenal. Uh, once this sucker heals up, I'm going to be playing through it. But I think this is really a two-horse race, if we're being completely honest. Elden Ring has done phenomenally well. It's already sold 17.5 million copies worldwide so far. God of War Ragnarok, we don't know what the sales look like, uh, but I think it's pretty safe to say it'll probably hit over 10 million as well between this month and next month. So I think it's a two-horse race between those two. Personally, for me, and I have not played God of War Ragnarok yet, I've read reviews, I've watched some footage, um, I do give Elden Ring the edge. I think one thing in the particular that kind of sets it apart for me is it's just so different. Like, it takes that Souls-like genre, and it's made it popular. Dark Souls-type games were popular, but they were niche. They never pulled in the millions upon millions of players. Elden Ring has done that. It's surpassed 15 million players already when it released in February, and it's kind of continued on since then. On top of that, Elden Ring just... The narrative of the game, and there's big arguments going on on social media, like, does it actually have narrative? Because you're reading these little messages and doing research here and there within the quest line. Uh, it's just different. It's unique. It's one of those games that I think truly stands out in the generation as something that we really haven't experienced before. And I think for that, it sets it apart. Now, God of War is phenomenal. Great soundtrack. I've heard the side questing is amazing. And from what I've seen, it definitely looks very epic. Uh, as far as the biome diversity and just the overall landscapes, the narrative's fantastic as well. I mean, every God of War game has had great narrative before it as well. Uh, and the combat, it just it is God of War, and it's a new age God of War. It's just not as different as Elden Ring, and I think that gives Elden Ring the edge for me. Okay, so so to, to go back to your original question, Joey, my, my, my answer here is uh, only one game here has a dedicated meow button. Uh, so I, I just want that to be known. Um, so here's what it comes down to. I agree. I think it's between Elden Ring and, and God of War Ragnarok. Um, here's my issue. And this was an issue we brought up, although we didn't think the game would have been nominated, uh, not nominated, have won. My issue is with God of War Ragnarok and its release date and its inclusion in Game of the Year. Oh. <laughs> this game came out on the 9th of November. Yes, November 9th. 2022 is the initial release date. There was a game that came out four days earlier in 2021 that had massive sales, massive downloads, courtesy of Xbox Game Pass, massive amount of users that played the game on a daily basis, broke and set records left and right, but was not included in Game of the Year and the horrible BS excuse was it came out too late to be included. So, Joey, fun fact, the cutoff date is looks like is November 8th if you want to be included uh, in, in the game of the year category for, year, for that year because I'm pretty sure they made an exception for God of War Ragnarok here because it's a big-name title. But I'm sorry, isn't the Forza Horizon series pretty big also? I mean, that game being Forza Horizon 5 last year that broke and shattered records left and right, snubbed not included at all it was included in the fans choice but it was not included in the official uh game wards last year but god of war ragnarok is well so, it was though john but not for game of the year they included it in in the fan vote i think it was like excess no 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 it was included in accessibility and sound design and it won both categories no no no. i'm talking game of the year title is is what i'm talking i'm not talking about being right. nominated in general oh uh, okay I'm, gotcha i'm talking game of the year it was included in the fan vote, and it won the fan vote, but it did not win. It was not even nominated. Not Again, not saying it should have won, but it should have been nominated. It earned that nomination. But, again, the excuse that we heard was it came out too late. But God of War Ragnarok did not come out too late. In fact, God of War Ragnarok came out later than Forza Horizon 5 did. Um, so I, I just, again... Just asking for clarity on how these games are nominated. What is the structure? What is the rubric to be nominated? Because there is no consistency. Jeff, I love you. I love what you do at the Game Awards. I think what you do is great. I think the product you put out is great. But we need some sort of criteria that you are basing these nominations off of because it doesn't make any sense. Um, that being said, I agree, Joey. Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok are going to be your top two. I'm probably going to lean towards God of War Ragnarok on this. Um, I, I, I myself have not played it also. I've spent probably an unhealthy amount of time watching play on Twitch. Uh, and I've talked to friends who do own it and own a PlayStation 5. That's amazing because, you know, still can't find them. Uh, I've heard nothing but great things. Uh, like you said, the side questing is absolutely fantastic. We heard a lot of critics come out and say that as well. Um, 
don't know. God of War Ragnarok, just that game in itself continues to one up itself in that in that title year after year, release after release. It's always impressive. And again, that was the one thing that held me back from jumping to Xbox for so long was I did not want to lose access to the God of War series. That's how big that game meant to me when I was still on the PlayStation side of the console wars. Now that I'm on the Xbox side, yeah, I have a little FOMO. I want to play God of War Ragnarok, and I'm going to have to wait a little bit before I can actually do that, but eventually one day I'll be able to do so. Um, but yeah, I, I think God of War Ragnarok is, is going to come out with a win. I think it's going to be close. It wouldn't surprise me if Elden, if Elden Ring did win, though. Um, it, it's definitely a two-horse race, though. Yeah, you took a path I did not expect with this, to be honest. Not the whole God of War stuff, but the Forza Horizon stuff. I was just not expecting that pathway, and I even forgot I mean, about it. Um, but you do bring up a good point, right? I don't have the date in front of me, but I think it's the 18th. Uh, I think it's the end of the third week of November is when it ends. And technically, that's what it did before, too. It was like the 15th or something around those lines uh, for Forza. So Forza was included in nominations. It was included in the nomination for accessibility and for audio design. It ended up going on to win both categories. And then, like you said, John, it was included in the Player's Choice Award, too. But it was snubbed on Game of the Year, as you were saying. So it technically was within the window. But because that people have to have their votes in, I think the initial votes had to be in before the 9th or whatever the release date was. So people never went back and adjusted. And I think with something like God of War, people were expecting it to be great. They're kind of like, ah, oh, it's a two-horse race, right? If Zelda doesn't make it out this year, it's going to be Elden Ring and God of War. So I think everyone was already thinking we're going to put God of War in. On top of that, and I don't know how early Forza came out as far as to critics, but I think God of War was given to critics at the last week of October. So technically, they've had about a week and a half to two weeks to play with it. So I think that probably aided in it being there as well. Um, but as you said, super well-deserved. We both agree on that. Did Forza get snubbed last year? Probably. Do I think it would have won Game of the Year? Probably not. Um, but I do think it probably should have been included at least as that fifth or sixth choice in there. Um, in the end, I think this slate is great. Uh, Stray, we can argue if it deserves to be there or not. It's definitely a top 10 Don't game. Hate. I would have it just outside my top six. John would have it just inside his top six. <laughs> um, so I never we'll just said call that. it the perfect medium, the perfect I, medium. I, I never said it would be inside <laughs> my top six, Joey. I'm just saying your hatred for Stray is, is not necessary. <laughs> it's not necessarily hatred. It just it didn't tickle my whiskers as much as I wanted it to. Let's just say, um, I I think it's great. I think it's interesting. It's just it's not a full tail wag for me. I would have kept it just outside. Um, but overall, I think the games are great, right? A Plague Tale Requiem, phenomenal. Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and Stray, all very deserving of the nominations here. Anything else you want to say on this? And again, guys, for those live with us here, as well as those many of you listening under the podcast later, we will probably do some kind of like live nomination show where we fill out a ballot of one of these things, uh, most likely the week after Thanksgiving and the week before Game Awards. Um, and then we're still deciding on our plans if we're going to end up co-streaming that again or if we're going to look into a few other options on that front. But overall, John, I think this is a fun time of the year. And I do know some of the announcements that will be shown and some of the reveals that will be coming for the Game Awards. And it should be uh, a very special evening in that regard as well. Do we have time to take a look at one more category? Yeah, yeah, of course. Please. Uh, let's see here. Um, one that's near and dear to my heart, Games for Impact. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for games that have a, a, a good message uh, in it, uh, not necessarily a game that is like super into graphics or gameplay in, in itself, um, but a, a game that has a message of, of, of change, of hope, of bringing people uh, into the light, uh, under, uh, under-recognized people, underprivileged people into the spotlight in video games. I think Psychonauts did a fantastic job with that the other year. Um, the Life is Strange series is a series I will always bring up, um, you know, and I think this year, again, we have some amazing nominees, uh, you know, one in here that I know I played through multiple times and absolutely love is As Dusk Falls. Um, that one, it has a Life is Strange feel to it. My issue with As Dusk Falls is it's a little bit more just narrative driven where it's a story and you just literally click buttons to make a choice where life is strange had a little bit more of a semi open world concept where you can actually walk around a campus. You can walk around a city uh, in this enclosed area. Uh, there is none of that in that game. And plus the, the story in that really focused on um, 
there's no real good way of saying it because it touched on a little bit of everything. There wasn't one solid storyline. Uh, things like uh, gun violence, um, uh, uh, wealth distri uh, uh, distribution, uh, you know, uh, uh, divorce, uh, losing a job, having to move, uh, growing up in certain socioeconomic uh, situations. Uh, it hits on a lot of things, but there wasn't one main point. Overall, I think it was a great game, and I think it's well-deserving to be nominated in this category. Um, it just wasn't as fine-tuned as I wished it was to be more along the lines of Life is Strange. But all these games are absolutely great. They all have a great message, uh, and this is one of the categories I wish got a little bit more attention uh, in, in the, the gaming uh, sphere, if you will. Yeah, that's a good one. I've played through a memoir blue for the achievement and trophy hunters out there. That one's a pretty easy 100% as well. Uh, and Endling is very sad. I've done a few play tests with them, like for demos, and um, it is definitely a heart-wrenching game. So really cool, um, but it is very sad as well. Uh, I have not played Hindsight. I've not played the Teenage Ecology or Ecolonist one or Citizen Sleeper. Have heard quite a bit about Citizen Sleeper, though, but as John said, a very big category, one that brings with it a very strong message. Uh, and hopefully it's one that we see kind of talked quite a bit about at the Game Awards as well. Okay, with that, I think we can slide on again. We'll go over a little bit more of a deeper dive into these, probably a special show to kind of go within every category, looking at all the nominees. But for now, moving along, according to a newly published patent, Sony seems to be actively exploring the use of NFTs and blockchain tech in games. Uh, John, those seem to be some of the big buzzwords in gaming nowadays. Uh, brings in a lot of hate on social media. Uh, I do want to be upfront and clear, right? Like, I do not like NFTs. I'm not the biggest fan of NFTs. I honestly think they're pointless. When someone pays hundreds of thousands of dollars for this little image that I can easily screenshot, crop, and make it my own, I'm kind of like, I don't really care if you own it on the blockchain because I own it in my phone library. Um, but overall, I think there are some cool ways that it can be used within games. I love the idea of, like, blockchains used for, like, a card game, for example. You know, I've been playing a lot of Marvel Snap. I've played some Hearthstone before that. I think a collectible card game with blockchain bases could be something really cool in gaming. Um, it's something that I don't know if it has been developed yet. I at least haven't seen much in that department. Um, but I do think there are ways to use NFTs and stuff like that. Uh, as an achievement hunter, I love my little digital score on Xbox, uh, as well as on Steam and these other platforms that I play on. But on top of that, like... I think there is space to grow in the NFT area. Uh, do I want to pay money for them? No. But if I can earn F NFTs and then end up making like a virtual bookshelf or trophy case or whatever of them, I think that could be cool and a fun way to jump into the space without really having to get super messy in the whole blockchain situation. So while they do have a huge negative connotation, I do think Sony could be onto something if they spin this the right direction. I hate NFTs. I'm right there with you, Joey. I think it's absolutely dumb. I'm waiting for the day where screenshotting an NFT and saving it to your phone library is like a misdemeanor or something stupid like that. Because <laughs> um, I feel like everyone in the world is going to be arrested uh, because that's just how ridiculous human society has become over the years. Uh, <laughs> anywho, go play Stray. Um, <laughs> yeah, I honestly, uh, this the, these type of... of, of uh, media releases, these news releases from people like Sony, PlayStation, uh, even the horribly corrupt governing body known as FIFA. Um, I just, it, I ignore it. It, it. It's not earth shattering anymore. It's not earth shattering. It's not new if everybody is doing it. Congratulations, you made a new Battle Royale. Uh, you're there with 50 million other versions of that freaking game style. Uh, congratulations, you're working on NFT integrated games and blockchains. Cool, great. Everyone else is doing that too. You're not breaking news here. You're not breaking any new ground. I just, I will never understand the hype over NFTs. It's, I don't care what people tell me. It's not the same as holding a physical card in your hand that is from a, a sports uh, you know, a sports card collection that is literally limited to 15 physical copies of that card worldwide. It's not the same. It is a digital code. And just like that physical card, I can find a picture of it. I can screenshot it. I can print it out on cardboard paper if I really want to and not pay the money to try to find it. It doesn't freaking matter. NFTs and blockchains, I just, I will never understand the hype around it. And it to me, it just seems like a waste of time and money. Yeah, I mean... I so I don't want to say, like, it's just tough, right? Like, I think it can be done well. It's just, it, 
uh, yeah, I don't like NFTs. I'm not a big NFT fan. <laughs> Am I open to seeing what they do with it? Sure. Sony has done a great job with third-person action adventure games, uh, and they've continued to dominate that genre. Who's to say they won't come in and dominate the NFT space in gaming? Uh, I just, I don't know what they're going to come up with. Like PlayStation stars sounds like it's starting to move in that direction a little bit, uh, based on kind of like achievements or such you unlock in games. Uh, they're talk a little bit about within the patent kind of like some ways to identify people who follow content creators. So maybe you're out there and you follow Mr. Beast and you play a game with him or something. Maybe you unlock a collectible or you attend one of his events and then you unlock a collectible in your PlayStation profile. So I think there are like cool ways to do it. I think you're also... I mean, with the whole loot box situation, you kind of have to be careful because a lot of companies got sued over that kind of being gambling uh, with underage kids involved. Now you have NFTs going for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, someone paid for what was considered an NFT of a painting in someone's head. The painting wasn't even physical, wasn't even digital. It was literally in someone's head and someone spent thousands of dollars on this thing. So I think there is a little bit of a dangerous space and a potential for lawsuits down the road with all these kids involved in the gaming space, depending on how this does end up rolling out and if there is money involved as well. So it'll be interesting. I'm cautiously open to the idea of what Sony puts together. But yeah, overall, I have not seen much to really be enlightened about in the NFT and blockchain space when it comes to gaming. I think some potential is there, but it's got to be a very, very careful rollout of how they go about it. Continuing on with Sony, this one a little bit more exciting, even if you don't like NFTs. Sony is reportedly planning a 25% off sale on P PS Plus, so your PlayStation Plus subscriptions. They launched that new uh, subscription model in June, rolling PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus together. There are three tiers. All those three tiers will be available for a 25% off discount when it comes to Black Friday for those membership tiers. Now, this is not officially announced yet. Uh, this is according to a well-known leaker, uh, DA Labs. Uh, user Bibli Kuhn, who has consistently leaked the PS Plus lineups for, it's been over a year now at this point. He has them every time, about a week before they officially get announced. So he's been pretty successful in that area, and I think it's probably safe to say we will see this Black Friday sale happening. And for those who sub to stuff like Game Pass, PS Plus, Ubisoft, you know getting a big sale price, like 25% off, can be a huge difference maker on the budget. Anything else you want to say on that other than, guys, if you're going to subscribe, you might as well do it at a discount? Xbox Game Pass, even cheaper and more games. <laughs> Boy, I've become a shill. What's happening to me? Yeah, I tell you, people. But speaking of shilling, John, this next segment is all you. Dragonflight. We have World of Warcraft making their new expansion and finding their way to land it in November, assuming everything continues on track. Dragonflight set to launch later this year. And we have a new cinematic as well as some new details that you're going to dive into with this latest patch. Joey, pump your brakes later this year. Try two weeks, Joey. Two weeks away from the full release of the expansion. Uh, part two of the pre-patch launched yesterday. Uh, the Drakthir, uh, if you've pre-ordered Dragonflight, you can now play it. Um, I have gotten through like the first two chapters of the Drakthir uh, starting zone. Uh, the flight mechanics for the Drakthir are amazing. Absolutely amazing. Joey, I cannot wait to show you this uh, once we're done off stream here. Um, it's it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. The mechanics of 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 that character in this game is insane. Uh, it's being treated like a hero class. You can only have one per server that you are on. Uh, it's like a Pandarian. It can be Horde or uh, Alliance. Uh, then uh, just the, the customization. Like, guys, fam, if, if you like to customize your characters if you are like me and you struggle to find the right combination of your characters uh what colors you want to use armor how their eyes look their hair their ears their nose the piercings the earrings whatever you're going to be in trouble you're going to be spending a lot of time creating this but joey um have you had a chance to watch the launch trailer before we did this i have not oh i'm super excited okay so so should i have the sound on or should I have the sound off for this? Uh, if we're not going to get sued by anyone, we can have the sound on. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get sued. I mean, uh, Blizzard, fun fact, is not Nintendo. Uh, so we can we can definitely do it. So I'm going to turn the sound on here. Uh, yeah, it's about a two-minute cinematic here. So if you're live on Twitch, we are going to go ahead and switch over to that video. If you're on the podcast <laughs> version, um, it's going to be a really quick jump skip to the end of the video for our reaction. Okay, here we go. 
Woo! Let's go! Uh, Joey, that cinematic had almost zero dialogue in it. And a lot of people are calling it one of the best, if not the best, cinematic for an expansion in World of Warcraft history. It is phenomenal. This is what Blizzard does best, is, is these cinematics. It, it is, I have yet to see a, another studio put out anything close to what we see from Blizzard when it comes to uh, these cinematics. Even in-game cinematics, uh, in-game cutscenes, a whole different level. And there's a lot to unpack uh, in, in that video, and a lot that we still don't know uh, in that video. Like, we don't know who that big bag dragon is. We know um, that uh, from, well, you have to dive into the game a little bit. We find out that there's uh, primal incarnates, which that dragon is a part of. Uh, and fun Are we talking about Big Daddy Thunder Dragon? Yeah, it's actually Big Mama Thunder Dragon. Oh, Big Mama Thunder yes. Dragon. How dare I? Um, now, the funny thing is, if you notice the front of that dragon's mouth, mm. it's actually uh, styled after a penguin's mouth. Because oh. uh, apparently someone was telling one of the developers that there's nothing more terrifying than looking inside of a penguin's mouth. I don't know. I've never looked inside of a penguin's mouth, but apparently that's what it was is based off of, and it's apparently pretty terrifying. Uh, so yeah, but that cinematic was amazing. Uh, I, I love everything about it. It, it. it was great. I'm super excited for it, Joey. The pre-patch has an opening quest line that takes place in both uh, Ogremar and uh, Stormwind. Uh, it leads you literally up to either the Zeppelin Tower or the dock of where the boat will come to take you to the Dragon Isles. Uh, and then after that, you can do your uh, Drakthir starting zone once you have that created. Uh, and it's it's phenomenal, Joey. It looks amazing. You know that's one thing. You know, even though you haven't do dove too far into WoW, you know that's one thing you have mentioned is how these zones look. Um, you know, there is uh, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the zone, but there was one even in Legion, uh, Suramar, uh, where the uh, night uh, not the night elves, the uh, nightborn uh, mm -hmm. have been for for thousands of years trapped away uh, in the Broken Isles. It was an absolutely beautiful zone. Uh, Argus was absolutely amazing as well. Then you had other places like you know the, the, the player class halls. Um, even other uh, expansions had some really nice zones in Cataclysm and, and, and Mists of Pandaria. Uh, you know, all the different zones, they do a fantastic job graphically. And uh, again, when we dive into it after, the, after our show's over today, Joey, the Dragon Isles, I think, is right up there when it comes to the, the stunningness that is the graphics for that region. So as a novice dragon rider of the lore here, um, at the end, it looked like the kind of red fire dragon was burning the earth, but instead of scorching it, it was growing new trees and stuff. Uh, is this kind of like the rebirth by fire of Azeroth? Is that what we're going for here? Sort of. Uh, so so that's Alex Straza. Uh, she's a leader mm. of the dragon aspects. Uh, she's been in the game forever. Um, you know, the dragon aspects were the ones that say, well, along with the help of your hero, uh, saved the world from uh, uh, Deathwing back in Cataclysm. And because of it, they gave up their immortality. Uh, so that was kind of their, their downfall of that. But yeah, that's Alex Straza. Uh, she essentially breathes life back into areas that uh, may be lacking there of life. So, so that's kind of what it was. So yeah, so it's kind of like, uh, uh, kind of think of it like um, when a fire burns through a forest or something, it's, it, it, it's, regrowth in that way where you know the mother nature has a way of of regrowth through those kind of uh natural disasters as long as they're not gender reveal fires that start the party uh for for forest <laughs> for for forest fires uh thank you california appreciate that uh but yeah so there's there again there's so much in there i definitely you know recommend people going to watch if you listen on the podcast definitely look it up on youtube it is it is worth the watch it is absolutely incredible uh and again if if you want to ever dive into world of warcraft this expansion right now um there's a lot of quality of life changes that blizzard has finally listened to uh from the players uh from the beta that i've played from the pre-patch that i've played it's a really good time to jump in it really is a good time to jump in yes there is a subscription fee a monthly fee yes you have to technically buy the expansion so yes there is a little bit of an upfront cost and a reoccurring cost Try it for a month. In fact, you can download the game and play up to level 20, which right now the level cap is 60, so you pretty much get a third of the game for free. Give it a try. 
give it a try. See if you like it. Play around with it. Uh, and then if you like it, dive in. It is a really good time to be a WoW player, and a lot of people are really excited so far with what we have. There you go, guys. If you're looking to dive into an MMO, there is one on the horizon with a new expansion in Dragonflight. Again, John, the release date for that, I don't know if you just said it there. I might have missed it, but it's the end of November, correct? Like the 28th? Tuesday the 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern time is when it goes live. There you go. And when it goes live, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be playing. It means you can start your entry into the queue, uh, which could take a whole day, depending on how many people are trying to dive into the Dragon Isles. It's server by service base. So if you're on a full server or or a maxed out server, it will take you quite a bit to log in. If you're on the low pop servers, you'll pretty much have no problem getting in. There you go. Low pop it is potentially for launch day. Uh, speaking of launching, and this one launching new material and new ways to play, that's Civ 6 announcing a new leader pass that will see 12 new leaders enter the pre- enter the fray. rather. Uh, that's going to kick off in November with the first set of great negotiators. That includes Abraham Lincoln from the United States, Queen, oh, I didn't pronounce these names ahead of time, Mabande Nzinga from Congo, I believe, and then we have Sultan Saladin from Arabia. On top of that, we have a couple more packs to come. We have pack two, the Great Commanders. Uh, You have some action from Japan, Persia, and the Ottoman Empire in there. We have three rulers from China with pack three. Rulers from the Sahara for pack four. The Great Builder is coming in pack five, including Ludwig II of Germany. And rulers of England in pack six, Elizabeth I, as well as some others like Victoria. Uh, John, in total, we have quite a few rulers coming to the table. For some reason, I thought it was 12, but it actually looks like we do succeed 12 here. Three by six. Uh, Yeah, so we do surpass that with 18 total. Yeah, uh, look, I... I I'm excited to play Abraham Lincoln. I don't want to play Abraham Lincoln towards the end of his life, though. Um, I don't think that would be very fun. Uh, yeah, but I don't know about playing said, Honest Abe in Civ, though. There's so much deceit going yeah. on in the game, you know? Like, if you have to role-play as Honest Abe, John, I just don't know if you can pull it off. Joey, I've been nuked by Gandhi in this game before, <laughs> so I, I, I don't think people are going to have a problem, uh, you know, <laughs> r- running some some countries over with a good old Honest Abe. <laughs> Uh, is there any ruler? So you mentioned Honest Dave. Are there any others that stick out to you as different ones you want to pick up and play? Uh, Saladin. Uh, I, I think Saladin is a very interesting leader um, of uh, a very interesting time in, in human civilization. Uh, I, I do find uh, his his leadership fascinating because he, he definitely differed um, from uh, people, from leaders prior to him uh, in his empire. Um so uh, just from a historical standpoint, uh, Sahaladin is, is definitely one that's up there on my bucket list to play. I really like Pack 4 as well. As someone who spent way too many hours playing through Assassin's Creed Origins to get the 100% completion, uh, I do have a slight fascination with Egypt and all the sand over there at the moment. So Ramses as well as Cleopatra are kind of toward the top of my list as well, coming from Egypt. Um, Tugawa from Japan, also another one up there. But yeah, I mean, they hit so many different things, right? Like United States, Congo, Arabia, Japan, Persia, Ottoman Empire, China, Egypt, Mali, the Byzantines, Korea, so on and so forth. Uh, They do hit a number of different civilizations in here. It's not just the bigger ones, the popular ones. Uh, They do dive in here for double digit worthy of civilizations. So I think all that together on top of they're dropping an anthology pack to kind of pull more people into the game that includes the DLC and things like that. Uh, I love the idea of the leader pass. I don't know if they've done this before. I don't remember this with Civ 5. So I think it is a fun new way to continue to bring people back in with a little bit more customization on top. Yeah, normally they have DLCs that will have like two or three new civilizations that are added to the game. Uh, this does feel fairly new, and I, and I actually really like it. I, I think it's, it's a really, really cool um, way to keep the game fresh and new and really kind of curious to see what their abilities are going to be in-game or their specs, if you will in game to see how you'll go about building your civilization are they going to be uh more diplomatic are they going to be war hungry are they going to be into trade are they going to be into exploration Uh, there's a lot of different ways to play the game i'm super excited for it absolutely lots of excitement there for civ fans if you haven't picked it up if we're coming up on black friday the game is it feels like included in every big steam sale so there's probably a good chance it's included on that one. Or if it's not, it's probably going to be in the winter sale in December. So keep an eye on that if you want to jump in and try a little bit of a turn-based strategy game. 
Next up in the news is a little bit ironic, John. Uh, we have Ubisoft and Riot Games teaming up. Oh, that sounds great. Two popular publishers. Why not? Uh, they both run successful multiplayer games. Ubisoft, you have The Division, you have Rainbow Six Siege, Riot Games, obviously League of Legends, Valorant, Legends of Runeterra. Two big industry players, lots of players playing their game, so sure, they should have a lot of research on this topic, and that is research regarding toxicity in online games. Uh, when we hear about toxicity, you usually hear a couple games come up. Call of Duty with the lobbies from the old days of like the 360 and the PlayStation 3, but the other one is League of Legends. Uh, League of Legends known for highly toxic text chat, uh, as people will say things that they really shouldn't in all different shapes and sizes on there. But the irony of this whole situation, John, is that both of these companies were just recently under lawsuits for sexual harassment in their offices. So uh, the two companies leading the charge alongside Activision Blizzard that have had so many issues trying to keep their own workplace in order uh, and keeping the dirty toxicity around the workplace out of the workplace are the ones who are going to be leading the charge of how to solve it online. Yeah, Joey, did you know that Riot is actually a synonym for toxic? Who knew? Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> English lesson here at uh, Level Up Live. Uh, it, it's ironic as hell, Joey. Um, I just, you know, we, we, we talk about it in, in, in kind of a, a, a lighthearted sense here, but in all honesty, it is a very serious topic. But like you said, both of these studios have toxic workplaces. They are both trying to recover from that toxic image that they have from the uh, sexual misconduct allegations and, in, in most cases, uh, settlements that they've settled on or still in court over um, that affected a lot of real people in real life, not just developers uh, and, and creators in those studios, but the people that played that game as well. League of Legends, Joey, I mean, I'm almost positive the phrase gamer words uh, originated from people playing League of Legends. Uh, the amount of, of toxic uh, vocabulary that is spouted in all chat for League of Legends, I mean, it's right up there, like you said, with the old uh, COD lobbies and, and CSGO and, and anything else that has multiple people in a lobby. Uh, I mean, I, I, could rem I remember playing Halo 2 on Xbox and just being in those lobbies with voice chat and how toxic that was. I mean, the amount of people that claim to have had relations with my mother is absolutely <laughs> insane from those Halo 2 lobbies. It's absolutely nuts. It, it is a toxic trend in gaming. Uh, and I'm going to let Joey recover for, from that one because I'm pretty, pretty sure I caught him off guard on that one. But no, it's very ironic that these two studios are teaming up to fight toxicity. Uh, that was that phrasing I just did not expect. That was very well done, sir. Um, but yeah, very much a lot of that. Very much a lot of uh, just comments that shouldn't be said to another person in general. Uh, and people just get very mad about these games in particular. And it just becomes a very toxic environment. And when you're slightly down in a game, uh, what's going to be the best way of getting your team back in it, right? It's going to be encouraging your teammates. It's going to be offering helpful suggestions, maybe trying <laughs> to make call-outs in certain situations. There's going to be games where another player just straight up sucks, and you're probably going to lose it anyway, but is it the end of the world? Not really. Now, if you're super toxic, then you're going to get yourself mad. You're going to be flustered. You're going to play worse. That player obviously is going to feel bad or feel mad depending on how they react. They're not going to play any better, so the situation is just going to spiral and get worse and worse. There are plenty of games where I've had to play with John, and he's not the greatest player in some of these games. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but seriously, Toxic. There, <laughs> there is plenty of ways to come back, guys. So it's just really keeping your head in the game, continuing to have that positive mentality both for yourself and the players around you. And then that's going to be your way to work yourself back into the game. And if you lose the game, you're going to click start or requeue anyway, uh, whether it be that same day, whether it be the same session, whether it be later down the road, uh, there's plenty of ways to get back on there that having to be toxic to one another. So again, Ubisoft and Riot, they have great populations to pull from, not the greatest track record at home in their own development studios. Um, but hopefully with all of that data coming in from games like League of Legends, like Rainbow Six Siege, they will be able to pull together uh, at least some initial research to kind of share with others like PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, and all these other big publishers out there that do deal with online games as well. Joey, you wonder why I won't re-download Halo Infinite and play with you. Wow, I mean, that's... I have a hard enough time getting you to play League of Legends with me, but we just talked about how toxic it is, so that is the thing. I can't remember the last time I even launched that game, Joey. It, it's <laughs> been forever. I think the last time I launched it was to check to see if Lux had a new skin. 
Uh, but but other than that, um, I'm going to talk you into playing that ARAM thing with me. They have the little like ARAM tournament thing. We're going to hey, do Joey. an ARAM tournament. You want to know something? What's Dragon that? flights out. My time's occupied. Uh, well, I think they're under server maintenance for that day. We'll have to chat with Blizzard and see what's up. Uh, next up on the agenda, though, we do got to keep running through these notes. We got a couple more topics to cover before we hop into the Discord and hang out and watch you play some WoW. Uh, Bethesda has issued a statement. This is another developer boo-boo, potentially. Uh, they've issued a statement in response to allegations leveled at ID Software, most known for the creation of stuff like Quake and Doom. Uh, this one by Doom Eternal composer Mick Gordon. Uh, we had a similar lawsuit, I think it was last year, if I remember correctly. It could have been earlier this year, where Bungie and former composer Marty O'Donnell got um, kind of going at each other's throat over some of the work that was done both at Halo and Destiny. They didn't, I don't know exactly how it's solved. It could still be in the court processes. Um, but Marty pretty much saying that Bungie did not pay him fairly. Bungie saying we paid you what we agreed on and so on and so forth. And they talk about rights of the music and who that belongs with nowadays. And there's a bunch of drama going on in that front. Well, uh, we have that drama continuing uh, just in a different sense with a different composer and a different studio. This time again, Bethesda and ID Software with Mick Gordon involved here as well. Initially, this all started out. Gordon published a 14,000 word statement in which he was exercising his right to defend himself, according to this article from VGC, in a lengthy 2020 Reddit post. Since then, it's kind of started recirculating. Then there's been some back and forth of different, he said this, she said that, and it's just continued to go back and forth between these two. And now it's come out to the point where it just got so heated in social media recently that Bethesda came out and made a statement. Um, I hate when companies make these statements on Twitter that are on these, like, small little images and the text font is small and i feel like we've talked about this before just too recently because stuff like this keeps happening uh, but they came out and took a very strong stance saying that mick gordon both mischaracterized and misrepresented the team at id software the development of doom eternal and some of the other developers involved uh giving a very one-sided and unjust account as they say in their statement it goes on i'm not going to read the whole statement um, but I think the biggest thing to take away here, John, and you obviously, neither one of us is a leader of a game development company, but making a statement like this, I think, doesn't necessarily put Bethesda in the greatest light either. It kind of becomes just one of those social dramas where it's like he said, she said, like I was saying earlier. Now, maybe this is a statement to say, hey, if there is a lawsuit that comes later on, we can use this as proof that we did make a statement against it. Um, but other than that, I just don't see many advantages to making a statement in this sense. Yes, yeah, sometimes just ignoring it is the best option um but instead uh bethesda went the oh i'm upset that my dollar mcchicken from mcdonald's actually cost a dollar five with tax so i'm gonna send a strongly worded email to the district supervisor um strongly worded statement uh that just absolutely kills me uh because I immediately dismiss it because to me there's so much negative connotations of entitlement when I see strongly worded statement it's like oh you're upset because something didn't go 100% your way Aw, so now you want to make sure everybody knows that you have a boo-boo I, I, I get it like in, in, in this case it's a little bit more serious than that but, but, but like I said Joey sometimes the best course is you acknowledge it and you move on you don't need a statement on everything, believe it or not. You don't have to be involved in everything. You don't have to make a, a, a stance on every single thing that is out there, especially if it doesn't really affect you. Uh, so, like, in, in this case, like, yeah, could Bethesda have said something? Absolutely. And they did. Is it going to hurt them in the long run? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, would they have had a better chance at saving face if they just said, okay, fine, whatever, dude, and just move on with your day? Yeah, probably also. I don't know. I, to me, I, it, it's, it's people with money fighting over money, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, like I like that they're standing up for their developers. I think yes. that's respectful for Bethesda to take that angle. But I just a full-blown statement and then critiquing the person who's critiquing the developers, it just... It feels like they went a little bit overboard on this one, and I'm curious to see how it plays out now with this. I think it just got posted earlier today, if I remember correctly, this being Thursday or Wednesday, rather, uh, November 16th. So we'll keep an eye on that and how it plays out. For those subscribed to GamerBytes, there's a possibility that it makes the news in there, depending how it continues to play out as well when that gets delivered on Monday. Uh, but for now, something a little bit more lighthearted. That's Samsung. Their 2021 smart TVs are now ready to get Xbox Cloud Gaming as well as GeForce Now apps. 
Uh, this has been something that's been in the works for a while. A lot of people have been asking it for a while. Uh, how can we play cloud gaming, whether it be Xbox, NVIDIA, or some of the other providers out there? Uh, at one time, Stadia was included in these discussions as well. Now, obviously, it's included uh, under a tombstone in the ground somewhere at Google. Um, but in the end, I think this is a great move. I think it took too long. Uh, it doesn't feel like something that should be that hard to integrate a app. I mean, they already have an app on different devices like Google phones. They have an app on the Samsung fridge already. Like, why are we taking so long to get to the TVs? I don't know why. Um, but in the end, it did make it there. And I think this is the next step forward for cloud gaming, right? We want to be everywhere. It's already on mobile devices. They're trying to find that to become even more native than the current experience, at least on Apple is. I think putting it on TVs is the next one, and I think we'll continue to see it on different applications uh, as far as appliances and such go moving forward. Pretty much anything with a screen will probably have the ability to play your xCloud or NVIDIA GeForce now. Now, Joey, the reason why it came to the refrigerator first is because at the end of the day, everybody has to eat, uh, <laughs> eat and gamers love to snack, according to the stereotype. Um, so why not continue your game while you're trying to find some very healthy food options in your refrigerator. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I, I think this is great. I think it's cool. I mean, it's it's great that it's coming to Samsung TVs. I agree with you. I think it's going to be rolling out to more uh, TVs in the future, especially with uh, if they start to see a sales increase with these TVs, more and more uh, you know, manufacturers will do it. The real question is, will Sony do it? Uh, will Sony put the, the Xbox uh, cloud gaming service on it? Uh, will it uh, show up on your uh, cheap TCLs and Vizios? Who, who knows? Uh, I, I think it's a great start. Uh, I think it's a, a great step forward. Now, my concern is a lot of times these TVs don't really have strong processors uh, and have a hard time uh, handling basic menu functions mm. uh, to open up apps. Uh, I am hoping they're going to be able to handle cloud gaming and processing that data to bring to your TV from the cloud. Yeah, I mean, good point. And I maybe that's why it's taken so long. They wanted to streamline that experience before shipping it. Um, but in the end, it does sound like it is making its way there. So we'll have to keep an eye out there, uh, both on socials as well as on our Discord server, discord.me forward slash OTN, to see if anyone gives that a try and can report back on how it's going. Next up, as we continue on toward the end here, additionally, Xbox users have a great new quality of life update coming to their consoles and or their PC app, depending on where they play. Uh, we see significant improvements to the Discord integration experience. Now you can chat on servers, you can connect directly. Uh, at one point, you had to go through your phone and there was some moving back and forth between the Discord server from either PC or your phone. Now you have the ability to do it uh, natively right within the Discord menu. Um, there's going to be a few other things involved with Xbox and Discord as they continue to move forward with that partnership. And then we get some other cool things like some notifications. You can set notifications on games that have sales. So if John really wants to pick up the next FIFA game and there's a big sale that happens for Black Friday, he can set up a notification for that. There's some captures. Uh, as far as the screen share stuff, a lot of people have been asking for a more fluid experience in that area. Now there's going to be a capture and share tab on the guide. It's going to make it a little bit easier because I think right now I could be wrong. Uh, I'm not someone who shares a ton of game shot images, but I believe you have to do it through mobile at the moment. And now it's kind of integrating its way into the dashboard with this update. So you will be able to do it from console uh, instead of uploading that to your mobile device and doing it from the Xbox app there. There's some power customization options coming, uh, some easier stuff with live streaming that kind of uses some of that, the really upfront mixer technology that made things super fast and very uh, high as far as like... Um, I think it was latency. It was very like light latency or something like that. If I remember correctly, it's called Lightstream. So some of that will be coming as well. And I could go on for this list. It does go on quite a while. I think the biggest thing though is Discord. Discord is that global gaming community. It's kind of where everyone goes to chat. Xbox Party Chat is still high quality and has been since it released, but it's not Discord. Discord is where you can play with your PC friends with Xbox continuing to kind of make its move onto PC and becoming more than just a console, I think Discord integration was a must. On top of that, it can connect you with your Sony friends, your Nintendo friends, uh, pretty much anyone with Discord and all those platforms are not restricted from having Discord and most of them looking into integration of the platform as well. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest part of the update, just making it easier to connect with friends wherever they are. Anything else on all these updates? I have been testing them, guys. I will say this is a pretty clean update as we get ready for the holiday season. 
Uh, it seems like that is the big push here from Xbox trying to get ready for that season and give some meaningful quality of life updates as it approaches. I'm just attempting to catch my sneezes before I sneeze into a microphone. Ah, the old good old catch the sneeze before the mic does. You got to love it. Uh, last but not least, let's talk new games this week. Uh, the biggest one coming out last week was obviously God of War. This week, it's an not necessarily an indie game, but it is a smaller game. Uh, a dev team somewhere between 10 and 15 people, I believe, from Obsidian Entertainment under the Xbox umbrella. This one's scoring an 86 on Open Critic, as well as an 89% recommended rating on there as well. Uh, I don't remember the time period. I don't have it pulled up, um, but I believe it's old England or old Germany, if I remember correctly. Um, kind of that medieval time. You're an artist that's kind of trying to discover a murder case uh, without getting too many in or too deep into the details, rather. Um, it's very interesting. A lot of people really talking about how the text continues to tell the story, not just how it's written, um, but the way the actual text is written on the page and the different fonts that are used. Uh, it sounds really cool. A lot of people calling it kind of their indie gem of the year, even though it is from a bigger publisher. Uh, it does seem to be pulling in a lot of hearts. And so far, quite a few great scores, uh, scoring a lot of 10s, 8s, and 9s as well. Uh, a big one from IGN is a 10 out of 10. IGN not really giving out too many 10s overall this year. Uh, this one does pull one of them in. So it's one to look forward to. And then for the Nintendo fans out there, Sony fans still playing God of War Ragnarok this week, I'm sure. The Nintendo fans will have two new Pokemon games, Scarlet and Violet, releasing later this week on Friday. If you want to dive into the next Pokemon adventure and the second Pokemon adventure of the year. So some really good games on that front. John, anything you want to say about Pentiment or Pokemon or any other game that I didn't mention here? Yes. Shout out to Ash Ketchum for finally becoming a Pokemon hey. Master after 25 years. Uh, I feel like my childhood has come to fruition. Uh, congrats, Ash. Uh, Gary did it first. Uh, so that's what I'm going to say. Uh, but yeah, congrats. There you go. Good job. Congrats. I like congrats. that. Congrats. <laughs> you love to see it. Uh, last but not least, guys, to mention it, Game Pass also mentioned some games coming to their platform. So if you sub to Game Pass, you will get access to this week and next week Insurgency Sandstorm, Gungrave, Gore, uh, that w or gun rave gore maybe i don't remember the name of it i can't read the artwork because it's stylized g and i don't know if it covers both letters or not um but that is one that a lot of people are looking forward to when it got announced in october you have lepin coming up soccer story norco dune spice wars for those rts fans looking for something outside of age of empires and starcraft you have ghost lore and warhammer dark tide one that has been on a lot of people's radar and it did get delayed a couple times but now is making its way out on top of those, Pentiment, the game we just talked about, did drop on Game Pass this week. And Somerville, another indie game from a smaller studio, but a studio made up of some big developers. I believe they're from the game makers Play Dead, who made Limbo and Inside, which were two big award winners. That game came out from the indie category as well this week. Other than that, John, I think that pretty much wraps up today's show. We covered quite a bit. Obviously, didn't get to everything within our time limit here. Um, but there are a number of different things from the drama going on as well as the research into toxicity to the lighter stuff like the new games, uh, potentially lighter with the NFT discussion and then the game awards. Excited to have that show. Um, you'll go into it here with the closing, but I think our plan is not to have a show the week of Thanksgiving. It sounds like we will be holding off on that, especially with our typical show being Thursday nights and Thursday night being Thanksgiving and family being visiting or us visiting family. Uh, and so on and so forth. So I think our following show will be that next week, uh, still November slash December, depending on what day it ends up falling. Uh, that will most likely be a special show focused on the Game Awards, where we'll walk category by category, maybe have some guests on as well uh, to jump in for discussions. Um, yeah, I don't know if we'll do live audience or full guests or what that'll end up looking like, um, but plan on some kind of the Game Awards voting show going on after Thanksgiving, and then the Game Awards will be the following week. There we go. Unmute the microphone. That might help out. Well, Nation, that is going to do it for this edition of Level Up Live. Before you go, make sure you follow the show on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to the show on our podcast feed, please do leave us a review. The Level Up podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much any other podcatcher that you choose to use. Just look us up. And we would love to hear from you. In fact, we love to hear from our community so much, Joey. There are multiple ways for them to reach out to us. Joey, what are some of those ways? Absolutely. Level Up Nation. First, head over to Twitter and find us at Level Up Live. That is L-V-L-U-P Live. In addition to that, you can follow the umbrella company OTN Media on Twitter and Facebook, or at least on Twitter while it exists still. Uh, that's at OTN Media and on Instagram at OTN underscore media. 
Last but not least, hit us up with a follow, maybe even a Twitch Prime sub over here on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. Uh, this show typically broadcasts Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We have flipped around. The last couple have been Wednesdays around 7 p.m., but stay tuned on Twitter, again, at Level Up Live to find those show times. Uh, yes, okay, good. It is still unmuted. Good. Uh, make sure you tune in on Thursday, December the 1st for the next episode. We are taking Thanksgiving off, as Joey stated, as we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming esports news. Make sure you sub to Gaming Bites. Uh, ga- yeah, uh, yeah, Gaming Bites, Gamer Bites, Gamer Bites. There we go. Gamer Bites. <laughs> If you want to be caught up to date with all the big news in gaming and esports as well uh, during our off week, do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We will catch you all in December. We hope you have a great Thanksgiving. If you so choose to celebrate, if not, enjoy your time off. Play some video games. Hang out with family. Hang out with friends. And we will catch you all in December. Remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, level up. up.